0: This is a long awaited episode of the ordinary life podcast been there's been like a little mini hiatus, but we're going to i am going to work on being more consistent
1: hey y'all hey history <laughs> <it's> me <Janela. laughs> that's all I got
0: yeah I just um. Me and Jamila are having a conversation about the podcast, and it's something I really, really enjoy, and it's something that I want to keep doing, but when I get busy, I get stressed with, like, work and stuff like that, it's kind of, like, something that I haven't, I don't really think about, and I feel like this is a partnership, and I need to do better. So,
1: I mean, we were just having a conversation about, like, our creative styles, and, um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm a little more, um, like I'll just push forward whether, whether things are good or not. I'll just keep pushing until they are good and not everybody creates that way and I'm very understanding of that.
0: I'm kind of more of a, um, I kind of have to be in the mood to create something or, um, deeply inspired by something, but I'm also very easily discouraged. And I can be a bit, anal is not a great word, but um, like I just need like structure. So before we would record a podcast, I would want to outline what we're going to talk about. And if I don't really have anything specific I want to talk about or cover, then I'm kind of like less motivated to record because I don't want there to be dead air awkward silence or whatever but I think um going forward we might um you know just have a free-flowing conversation we talk about stuff all the time but I think now we just need to start turning our mics on when we have those conversations
1: which is what we're doing right now (laughs) because we were we were talking it we've been gone for so long there's so many different things have happened I think the last time we actually sat down was before any of the protests started happening before um the murder of George Floyd Mm -hmm. before we found out about the murder of Breonna Taylor before all of these other um Deaths of black people due to the negligence and brutality of police started coming to the forefront of the news. And I think that has a lot to do with the reason why we took a hiatus for as long as we did. Because I don't know about you guys, but that period of time for me as a person who can feel other people's emotions, I was drained. Like, I didn't even know how to—it was hard for me to move through my own life, let alone think about coming on here and talking to you guys and being funny and interactive and and bright and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Just the thought of that was hard. It was hard enough to do that, going to, going to work and coming home on a regular basis, so— Just like Shawnee said before about creative styles, I did not want to come on come on here and be a drag. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we were all feeling that energy. We were all feeling that collective energy from all the social media and the news and if you were plugged in even a little bit, things were getting crazy. Not to say they weren't it wasn't right that they got crazy, not to say that it wasn't due time for things to get out of hand. For people to start using their voices, but the energy and the level of just chaos Mm -hmm. in general was wild. So
0: I just felt like a roly poly. Like, I just felt like everything that was coming out in the media, it was like day, like every single day, there was someone being discriminated against, someone being murdered, someone dying, someone. It was just so much negativity and whenever that happens, I just kind of shut down and I kind of go into autopilot in my own life. But I also have this um, depressive streak where I just don't want to do anything um, unless it's required. So like going to work, I'm going to do that. But anything aside from that, I'm not really motivated to do when there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and I just don't know how to process my emotions. Um, So that's that's pretty much what I've been going through. But um the podcast just it just hasn't been a priority um over the last has it been months? It's, it's been, been months. months. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So, um, we're back <laughs> and um like the format from before used to be really rigid and we're just we're just gonna flow through natural conversation this time because let me tell y'all still a bit drained still kind of coming out of that feeling that everything is on fire and I'm just sitting in the room
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but yeah um we're gonna Sweet. link a try to get burned <laughs> right we're gonna link a couple of petitions that we've signed a few of the charities and a few of the organizations that we've donated to to make sure that um we're getting we're using our voices as well um, side note, I'm in the military, so there is very, there is not very much I can do about very much, but what I can do is, um, open my purse and, and, um, that's what I've been doing. I've been opening my purse and signing my name on the dotted line. And hopefully in a couple of years, that won't be one of the things that I have to consider, um, to keep my livelihood. But until then, we're going to leak the things, um, the things that we've done and the things that we've participated in for the movement. And we hope that you guys can do the same.
0: Yeah. It just feels like everything is changing about what we knew the world to be and how it worked and everything. And I feel like all of that is coming undone and we're seeing that the shit that's been working is not working. We've been just trying to find a way to make it work. Like, um, actually, um, you spoke about this. I want to say it was like yesterday. Um, kind of about my job. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics, but I don't feel like, well, first of all, I'm not happy. I'm looking for a change. Um, a subtle change. I'm not going to switch like career paths altogether and go back to school for something that's not nursing related. But um, I'm not happy in my current position. And um, I think where I work, it's just not a very good idea, or it's not set up right. It's not a well oiled machine. And I feel like everyone that has maintained employment there, anyone that has, you know, um, found a way to make it work for them, that's what they've been doing. Not that it works well, they just found a way to cope and adapt to the chaos. And that's not something I can do right now, at least because everything about my life has been changing within the last year like I've gone through so many changes and I've experienced so much I need some type of stability some some form of constant you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. and um I just feel like that is the perfect like visual illustration or demonstration for what's happening in the world like America is not it just the way it's been set up, capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, all that shit is just not working anymore. With coronavirus and everything and that progression and how it's completely shaped the way that we interact with each other, the way we go out into the world, it's just not working anymore.
1: So the concept that we were talking about was, um, so just Big picture, let's just say that America is an employer, right? Um, And they come up with a really fucking bad idea about how things should work. And I think we all experience this in our workplace, right? You get this big idea from somebody who sits in their ivory tower and collects their money every month but doesn't actually do the job and do the work that keeps the company rolling. And they implement that idea, and you have a choice to either let the bad idea fail and then take the blame for the fact that it's failing or you make it work. And then the boss, the CEO, whoever who came up with the, the, the bad idea thinks that it's good because it's working. And I think what's happening now is that people are saying, I'm tired of making this really bad idea work. I'm tired of existing inside this bad idea that came from people who were here, what, hundreds of years ago, Mm -hmm. who had no idea how the decisions they made when they were founding America, the decisions they were made when they decided to carve up Africa like a turkey and leave it for the slaughter of European countries had no idea the ramifications or the societies that we will all be existing in because they made those decisions. Mm-hmm. So small scale, um, micro scale, think about yourself in your workplace if your workplace is dysfunctional. And then think about the life you live if you're in America if and how dysfunctional that is for all people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but specifically because I am a black female, it is extremely dysfunctional.
0: It feels a lot like being at the bottom of the totem pole because there's the patriarchy and then there's racism and you're kind of at the butt of all those jokes, you know? Like, you're kind of at the mercy of the system and how it was never designed to protect you or to care for you. And it just feels like being a black woman is its such... Um, what were we talking about that one time where it was like um an, inter- an intersection of oppression
1: and the intersection or the different lines of oppression yeah. um like we were discussing basically why it's not okay for people across different lines of oppression because there's like a caste system which is like financial line of oppression and then there's like lines of oppression um, involving color but basically what how we talking about though I can't remember. Oh, we were talking about that J. Cole no name thing. Oh, <laughs>
0: let's get into it.
1: Oh gosh, I like. I feel like we've we've talked about this so much. Yeah. So if you're un- if you're unfamiliar, J. Cole put out a song during the um, what feels like I'm not even gonna say the middle of um, all the unrest that's been going on. It was probably the beginning anyway put out a song that basically was was trying to say that um if you have the knowledge right if you have the knowledge that's going to free your people don't be condescending when you deliver it that's what i heard now other people heard tone policing of a woman and then telling a woman how to speak and then telling a woman how to deliver her message
0: so no name is i mean she's a indie female rapper and i only feel like she's indie because she's a black woman and she's not twerking all the time but i mean no name is amazing i you know her wordplay her metaphors all that you know she's top tier female rapping right but she's also an activist Online, She's very vocal about her stance, um, with, um, politics, with, you know, her thoughts about police brutality and things like that. So, um, I don't even know if this was last month or the month before now. Maybe it was last month. She, um, tweeted something about how your favorite rapper's whole discography is about Black plight but they can't even post a tweet about what's going on. And that's a loose um paraphrase, but um I think J. Cole read that and I don't know if he felt like, you know, but he went inward and started to examine himself in that song. What is it called? Snow on the Bluff. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like it was I imagine him like writing in his diary about how he felt about that or if he got that criticism from anywhere else. And I just didn't... I don't know. I didn't respond to it the way other people responded to it.
1: I think that the real issue with that entire conversation and the reason why we started having the conversation about the lines of oppression, right, is that if you are coming from... If you're coming from the upper hand of a line of oppression, you cannot um, speak across that line of oppression and tell people how to feel. Mm-hmm. Um And it's the same concept I'm always talking about. You can be right at the wrong time, and it's just as bad as being wrong. Like, yes, you have a point. Having the knowledge and being condescending about it is a problem within our community. And if he would have addressed that to a man, because men are also guilty of that, Mm -hmm. there would have been no issue. But because he spoke directly to a woman he crossed, the line, he crossed the line of oppression and that is the real problem with that entire conversation now i think you'd have to be willing to understand all of all of those things to be objective and i think that's also another another thing that we ended up discussing it's like when when there's unrest when people are involved in a movement that collective anger gets aimed at people and when, you're, when you feel like you're getting to a place where you're making headway with one oppressor, with one um, group of people who are um, actively involved in whatever type of supremacy you're fighting, mm-hmm. when, that, when you feel like when that adrenaline from the fight is dying down, you will find a new place to point it.
0: I also felt like because, like you said, because of all of the the energy that, you know, No Name may have had for the fight, I feel like she was in fight mode and she couldn't hear the introspection and she couldn't hear, um, you know, just the, the overall tone I feel like J. Cole had. It wasn't coming from a place of, Accusation or You know anything like that I just felt like he was being Very vulnerable and honest about the way That he felt and Because She's in fight mode I just Don't feel like she could have heard that so after Um you know He released No on the Bluff she Responds with song 33 And I was so disappointed I just felt like it was such a distraction and she kept saying in the song you wrote a song about me you wrote a song about me and it's like girl you just did the same shit like
1: but beyond that <laughs> the, the issue that I took with everything and the reason why I feel like with J. Cole it was just bad timing is this came right on the heels of black Twitter basically discussing um, protect black women for, what, two or three weeks? And black men basically saying, no, nah, I'm good on that mm-hmm. as a group. And then you have J. Cole coming through with maybe he's far removed from Twitter. Maybe he's far removed from the general pulse, But you tone policing a black woman after 90,000 millions of black men just said, nah, y'all bitches can catch the fade. Bad timing just generally bad timing so it's like once again you had a line of oppression you got bad timing um then we also have to discuss what was the concept we were talking about it was like um, intellectual elitism
0: mm-hmm.
1: where you go get an education and now you think you're better than everybody because you know stuff and mm-hmm. it's like um that's not why we taught you that we didn't teach you so you can make other people feel bad for not knowing. We taught you so that you could you could go back and teach other people, in their culture, in their language, in ways they can understand.
0: And it definitely um, it discourages people from wanting to talk to you or learn anything from you if they feel. I mean, people like me, I feel like I kind of function in that um, in that same way. You know, I remember in nursing school. Um, Every experience I had from the time I walked through the hospital doors whenever I was with, um, you know, one of the nurses that worked on the unit, I could learn from her just by watching, you know. But if you acted like you didn't want me to be there and, like, I was a nuisance and I was stupid and whatever else, it just—I didn't get anything from being around you for 12 hours. It just, you know, I would just—but anyway, people— can get discouraged when they're talking to you or they want to educate themselves. And a lot of your rhetoric is speaking about how people need to elevate themselves and learn more and read more and stuff. And it's like, that's intimidating for people. If they don't have that formal education, they don't have anyone in their family that ever introduced them to the literature. We don't learn that shit in school, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's probably all intimidating and I think that was the main point that J Cole was trying to get across.
1: But again, I felt like that and that entire saga of um, people reacting to it mm-hmm. showed the the true flaw in righteous indignation, right? Because you can be wronged and you can be right about being wronged, but how long you sit in that anger? And how long, how you allow that anger to engulf your person, that's the real issue. Like, I've been wronged, I can address that, and I can also see somebody's point while I've been wronged, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you'd have to be looking to understand to have that conversation. But if you're just looking for the hurt, that's what you're going to find.
0: I think that's why, you know, after a few days she ended up coming back to Instagram and Twitter or whatever and saying, you know, I don't really like the way that I handled that. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's just further distraction from the movement and everything that's going on right now. And it was kind of like, I'm sorry for the way I reacted type of post. And then she said all of the proceeds from the song were going to go towards, you know, different charities Mm -hmm. and stuff, which I felt like was a great... Um, use of those
1: um, those coins. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so yeah, um, I thought that was an interesting, an interesting look at how um intraracial intraracial um communication happens, right? Because black men, while they are black men in any place and they're discriminated against, they are still men. So the patriarchy still permeates the black community. And I think as a black man, you have to be aware of that. You have to know that when you're speaking to a black woman, yes, she is one of you. Yes, she is on your side. But there is still a line of oppression sitting in between you. And you have to be aware of that.
0: I think he probably realizes that now, you know, after the response that he got, I wasn't offended by it, but I definitely understood how someone could be offended by it. Um, I don't think I've ever been like tone policed, but
1: I have, but I'm in the military. Yeah. I'm also one of the only black. I'm one of two women. I'm the only black person. So, um, more often than not people are checking my tone and not listening to the, what the fuck I'm saying so um it's like I'm always in this constant battle of do I go for their fucking neck right now and it's like risk my reputation or do I just let them be wrong and just let that shit rock until they figure out that they're wrong
0: we were talking about that today, like just in, in a different mm-hmm. circumstance, but it was like, all right, story time. So um, for the last two weeks, I've been kind of like wiling out and emotionally eating. First of all, I went to California to visit family and everything, and I told myself I'm going to eat whatever it is that I want to eat that is not available to me here in Virginia because virginia has a very virginia
1: is a food desert they don't have (laughs) good food they don't like good food everybody be eating bullshit with cheese on top and telling you that it slaps and it doesn't i'm done
0: (laughs) yeah so it's very limited like what you you know the mom and pop places the you know good mexican food good soul food good um you know, just, just good
1: food in general is not up. It's not here, not in Southern not. Virginia. Now, DC in Northern Virginia, like I've I've had a few slaps, mm-hmm. but Southern Virginia it is slap less. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: gonna let you finish.
0: So I decided that I was going to eat not everything in sight, but just eat what I could not eat when I came back here. Um, and I've kind of been like continuing that because I've had a very emotional week and I've just, I emotionally eat, which is terrible. But, um, today I'm like, this is going to be my last day of eating crap. So I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A to get the nuggets that I deserve. (laughs) And, um, this white lady was behind me (laughs) and I really hate when people, they just kind of carry themselves and walk around in the world like everyone needs to get out of their way, you know. So, they rush they rush you. They're rude and stuff like that. And I have a very, very short fuse for that kind of stuff. And I get that from my mom. My mom has a temper. I don't really have a temper. It takes a lot to get me angry. But once I'm there, I'm there. So, anyway... Um, I was looking at something on my phone and I, you know, I looked down for a few seconds and, um, the car in front of me, I guess, had just moved up in the line and she honks at me and I was like, okay. (laughs) So, so I roll up in the line and it happens again and she honks at me again and I'm just like, wow, girl, like. This is not going to get you to the chicken sandwich any faster. You're like, not
1: going to get them nuggets because you used your horn to calm down. That's what
0: I'm saying. I just don't like how like how rude people are. And I said, I am this close from rolling this window down and letting her meet my mother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Jamila was like, you know, I struggle with that all the time. Like, is it worth me... Getting out of character and jeopardizing anything that I have going on to prove a point to this person, for example.
1: But I always feel like some people are one ass whooping away from being a good person. Because it's never happened to them. And I just feel like I'm (laughs) doing the world a disservice by not whooping this person's ass in this, this particular moment. Like, am I... Letting the next Unabomber leave my presence without their ass whooped? Like, am I doing my civic duty by, by whooping this person's ass? But am I also jeopardizing my livelihood by, once again, whooping this person's ass? I struggle with that a lot. I think about it before I go to sleep, and it keeps me up for an extra 10 minutes.
0: I don't know. I struggle with that, too. I mean, because I am... I'm an RN and I really can't afford to have a fucking street fight, you know, but like, I it it gets real, it gets real heated people for me try sometimes.
1: You. People continuously try you because especially, it's a lack of
0: respect for me.
1: It's especially, and I hate to say this because I know we've been calling out Karens for the last few months and whatever, but it's 28-year-old to death white women that like to try you in in communal spaces so that you either have to show your ass or just leave the premises. And I don't know what it is in them that says that this is my space and I get to govern what happens here. Mm -hmm. But I I, I honestly think they are one two-piece special away (laughs) from leaving people the fuck alone. (laughs) <laughs> and if i'm the person who's going to give them their two-piece that they ordered then that's just what it's gonna have to fucking be i'll deal with my job later but it
0: goes back to that like should i or should i should
1: not? i what their ass right now or should i go home
0: Should I cuss them out or not? Or should I just let this shit ride? because? Should I give
1: this white motherfucker who don't know what he's talking about the full clip in this meeting? Should I embarrass him? Or should I just let him be fucking wrong and then people slowly figure that out? One of life's unanswered questions. Because we've seen people who have kept it real and lost everything. Whoop somebody uh, ass they cause can. they girl, whoop somebody <laughs> ass cause they deserved it, said said some shit because it was time to say it and then lost everything just for standing on the right side of history. Just for standing on the right side of an ass whooping.
0: I really hate how cancel culture has infiltrated like I mean, I understand when like racist white people show their asses. And then they lose their job because they are, you know, sitting, they got, they're sitting on the KKK. Like, (laughs) okay, I get that, you know, but for a fucking opinion or (laughs) for, like, someone's belief system, like, I'm really upset and I can't believe what's happening to Nick Cannon. I don't completely agree with everything he said, like, 100%. I don't agree at all. But... I mean, it's his opinion, right? Like, that doesn't mean that he's a bad businessman. It doesn't mean that. But, I, for, but for some reason, cancel culture has infiltrated, like, everything. So if you do something that your job does not like, your um, organization does not like, you can definitely lose your job and your livelihood. And you looking around like, this is the legacy I was supposed to have for my kids.
1: With the Nick Cannon situation, I'm just on the fence, right? Because a lot of that shit that he said was just fucking wrong. Like, it wasn't based in any fact or anything. So when he apologized, I was like, I get why you apologized, right? Because you were wrong. What you said. Wasn't right. What you said was misinformation. And I understand you apologizing for that because it's misinformation about another group of people. And if anybody has not had experiences experiences with them and they're using you as an authority, they will go into their interactions with those people with the information that you gave them. You need to fix that.
0: Ain't nobody listening to Nick Cannon like that. like
1: I don't know, girl, because the girls were definitely on the Twitter like Nick Cannon for president. So I, uh, right. And I think that we both have a misconception of the power of celebrity because nobody who gets on stage and raps lyrics or sings a song has ever been able to encourage me to vote for anybody. Like, I love Killer Mike to death. But he's not the authority on whether I'm voting for Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. Like, I I appreciate your opinion, dog, but I'm going to go read these facts. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're alone in that. A lot of people get most of their news, their information about the world, their information about history from these people who sing lyrics, Mm -hmm. from these people who have shows, who have platforms, because just like we said before, Some of these people don't have access to any of the shit that we do. None of the history, none of the books, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So they're looking to these people to give them that information. So yes, what he said was irresponsible. What he said was dead-ass wrong.
0: But was it worthy for them to cancel a show that's... I mean, I don't even know people who really... (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) First of all, if you got cable, you got money, right? <laughs> <coughs> I don't even know anyone that really watches MTV, and they're not watching Wild and Out.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm being honest. Once I left high school, Wild and Out left my um, scheduled programming, so I don't even know what's going on on that show anymore. I see clips every now and again on Instagram from people who thought uh, thirty seconds of that shit was funny. But
0: I feel like. Um, walling Out for all intents and purposes besides like Catfish and maybe <clears throat> what Ridiculousness I don't know like I feel like Wild Out has been the money maker for MTV for a minute yeah
1: like they had t- Teen Mom and all those other like shows but Wild Out which started out on MTV too and then moved to MTV mm-hmm. um was on VH1 I don't know I had I, the progression of the show I really don't know much information about, but it has been a mainstay since I was in high school. And that was 12 years ago. So that's a long ass run. Um, and for them to cancel the show because he said what he said, I feel is drastic, but he did end up apologizing for what he said, which I think is a good move. It will not get him a lot of brownie points. With with anybody in the black community who's not willing to look at this shit objectively. Mm-hmm. But, personally, I think it's good to see somebody walk back some shit they said because it was wrong. I think that takes a lot of courage. Oh, yeah. But people... he He lost, what, his deal with Viacom and whatever, right? And the whole thing... I feel like that goes back to the beginning of the conversation like the the structure of this shit that a black man has to have a sponsor, sponsorship for a show through a white company just to get it to the masses is the real problem aside from the fact that Nick Cannon was wrong if he were if he had the infrastructure to own his own TV company, nobody would be able to take shit from him because who is it? Rush Limbaugh. Who's the other person who writes that conservative um, newspaper that Donald Trump is always quoting? There are... Oh, girl, I don't know. I know, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. Anyway, <laughs> um, but basically there are these companies or these, media companies that are owned and um organized and run by white people and they get to say whatever the fuck they want and nobody can nobody can take that shit from them nobody can say oh that was racist you got to get off of here fox news has been saying bullshit for the last decade and they're still making money they're still putting tommy lauren in your face regularly oh god and she says some of the, race, the most racist shit I've ever heard in my life. They're still sitting Candace Owens in the seat and putting a camera on her. But Nick Cannon is wrong one time and loses all of that sponsorship because they can.
0: It's a flex. It is. I mean.
1: So I don't even think that had anything to do with cancel culture. I, I think that's the same, same white bullshit we've been seeing. And the one thing you cannot do in media, the one thing you cannot do in television and film, is talk about Jewish people. That's the that that's you the can't last do that. You, do. you cannot do that. They run everything, and I'm not being I'm not being drastic. They run everything, and then to talk about them and and also be dead ass wrong. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a whole lot.
0: I kind of think that's why, like, a lot of people are trying to independently find their way to making a lot of money, to being famous and stuff. And that's what we were talking about um, earlier, about people wanting to go viral mm. and there being so much, um, like, importance on doing something outrageous and then trying to do something even more outrageous the next time to stay relevant
1: we were specifically discussing like Takashi 69 and who else
0: um who else was it
1: i can't even think of the person now that's how insignificant this person is but they are famous
0: oh you you're talking about Nicki Minaj too i
1: was talking about Nicki Minaj in in reference to but there's somebody that started that conversation I can't remember who. Oh, August Alcina. Oh,
0: God.
1: Okay. So, we all know that August Alcina has outed himself as being Jada's lovey, lovey bae for a significant amount of time while her and Will was going through um, some of the depths, uh, depths of despair of their marriage. So, he
0: outed them in an interview. Y'all don't want that Will and Jada love no more, huh? <laughs>
1: Sorry, that girl, we're going to talk about that later because we really need to. I really want to touch that. I really do want to put my (laughs) hands all over that subject. (laughs) Anyway, August Alcina um, in tasteless fashion decided that he was going to make a song called Entanglements because it was one of the words from Jada's Red Table Talk with herself and Will that (laughs) she um, that she used to describe their relationship.
0: She didn't even call it a relationship. She, she called would it, not she call called it, it an entanglement,
1: a relationship. She didn't want to call it a relationship until her husband said, baby girl, you're going to have to call it what it was. OK, it was a
0: relationship.
1: Girl. It was it, that's what it was. And he was like, come on now. You using these big words and we all know what it was. Like I saw, I saw the fire in his eyes when he was like,
0: well, he was getting annoyed with her ass. She was doing a lot of, she was using a lot of colorful language and a lot of big words and she wasn't saying anything. She was anything. tap dancing
1: like the Nicholas brothers around the fucking point.
0: <laughs> like she wasn't fucking saying anything. And he's sitting there like, okay, so what happened Jada? Because. Okay,
1: girl, damn, with all of this flowery language and healing and you burning sage and shit. But what the fuck did you do?
0: So anyway. why the fuck is he having an interview with Angela Yee talking about our relationship and y'all relationship and everything else?
1: And first, girl, I we will get there because I want to spend a lot of time there. <laughs> but the issue what we were discussing was that August Alsina made a decision about his career when he decided to make a song called Entanglements. Now, this is the nigga who's already been accused of being messy. By the messy king himself, Joe Budden. I feel like that—that is—that is an award within itself for Joe Budden, <laughs> the king of.
0: I love Joe Budden. I do too. He ain't shit, but I love him. the
1: The Lord and master of the land of petty calls you <laughs> the messiest nigga.
0: and and he's right. Also, go follow. Um... Joe Button Fits on uh, Instagram. Yo,
1: that Instagram page really, whoever is writing in captions, I would like to meet you in person and shake your hand because there have been many a dark day where you have posted Joe Button in plaid shorts that look like capris and then proceeded to write some of the best lines I've ever heard in comedy. Anyway, thank you very much for what you do. Thank you for your service. But anyway... Months weeks ago, Joe Budden calls August Alsina messy, and then August Alsina does everything in his power to prove that he is exactly that. But when he made the song "Entanglements," I feel like that's just en- not ending your career, but your shit will forever have a stain on it. You'll never be the nigga who kept it player and got a little bit of pussy from Jada and kept it pushing. You'll always be the nigga who got a little bit of pussy from Jada and it acted the fuck up. And that's all I know you for now. I I haven't even gotten a chance to listen to your album, but I heard Entanglements. And it was trash.
0: Entanglements was trash. And I felt like... And Rick Ross, why? Rick Ross ain't shit for that.
1: (laughs) I would have had that nigga in my inbox talking about you want to hop on and been like... I'm good, actually. was
0: like, let me get a piece of that. Just, just the streams alone. Just not because I really care about what August Alsina is talking about. No, oh, I really like his music. It was just, what this nigga talking about now? You know? And I felt like that wasn't a good move for him because it tarnishes your brand. You are so focused on being popular right now and infamous and notorious for this um entanglement relationship you had with Jada Pinkett Smith four years ago four years ago and you're not looking at the longevity of your career you're doing you're like you're doing a lot of stuff to draw attention to yourself but nobody's ever going to take you seriously as an R&B singer anymore we don't give a fuck how talented you are you're a clown now like
1: and the last thing I remember from you is I'm going to keep fucking because I love this shit so it's not like we had a lot to go on that's
0: just reckless
1: I'm just saying, (laughs) do you value your career or do you just want to be seen? Obviously, whatever healing you got in the Smith house was not enough. You need to go find your own personal therapist that's going to sit down with you.
0: But from what Jada was, um, the way she was describing, and we'll get into the details of it, but the way that she was describing their relationship she spoke a lot about healing, but to me, it just sounded like codependency for him. Yeah, like whatever he had been going through, he was sick. He had some stuff going on mentally or whatever. He yeah, had several
1: just, family members die back to back. Mm-hmm. Like
0: it he, just sounded like that relationship was just so he can fuck the pain away, or just to distract him from what was really going on.
1: And I honest and I honestly think that a lot of. A lot of people end up in relationships like that. They end up in relationships where you guys are weaponizing. um, What is it called? Weaponizing healing. Mm -hmm. You're talking about all the ways that you'd like to be better and and speaking about all the ways that you'd like to do things um, and live your life. But that relationship is really just a cubbyhole that you can sit in and not actually do the work. Not actually figure out who you are, not actually figure out who you want to be. and i I think that's what Jada was trying to say. I hope that's what she was trying to say. I don't know if I misheard her, but mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a lot, not even recently, I feel like this has just been an issue ever since being famous equated um money that people will do and say and put themselves anywhere. To just, to just get a, a taste to get a, a sip of what being important might mean
0: and I think the same reason that August Alsina made Entanglements Jada Pinkin did that fucking Red Table Talk for the same reason so that she can get a shit ton of views and, and for us to listen to her for 13 minutes to not talk about anything specific
1: I honestly feel and i'm 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 reaching here, so I'm talking about Michael Jordan's space jam reach, so follow me, but I honestly feel like that was damage control, but not for Jada for will for their kids, right, because think about it this way: Jaden brought his friend home, mm-hmm. his mama fucked his friend that That conversation, we're just failing to have because he came in the house as a friend. He left as a as a former lover,
0: as a side niggas? I don't even know.
1: <laughs> and the, and and I feel like that is a damage control that you would have to do as a mom and a wife when you choose a partner that is that controversial.
0: But she was still not honest about her role in that relationship because, for all intents and purposes, like August Alcina was a grown man; he can make decisions for himself. But if he was really If he was really that compromised mentally and physically and he just seemed like he needed someone, we have to acknowledge the fact that maybe Jada's relationship with him wasn't predatory, but it wasn't... As wholesome and I just like to heal people like she was trying to make it seem like no you took advantage of him when he was vulnerable and he needed professional help not for you to burn a sage ha- around his head and then give him the best world
1: job he'd ever had okay sorry, while messy. you're going
0: through a separation you know in a marriage that I don't know they spoke about maybe it was going to end them but I don't think they I don't think anything is going to break them up if they can
1: I don't think anything is going to break them up publicly. I don't think they'll ever get a divorce. But they they have already cleared up that they are not above living in the same house and just never fucking speaking to each other again.
0: But what okay.
1: <laughs> it and like I'm let's just interested. have the con- let's just have the conversation now cuz we are already
0: deep off in it. Will spoke about something. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was this Red Table Talk, but it was the Father's Day one. And I, and I don't watch the Red Table Talk like that. I just kind of watch whatever piques my interest. And I don't really watch them all the way through. But I was in the airport on layover, so I watched the Father's Day <laughs> one. And um, Will spoke about, you know, his father... And um, the relationship he had with him before he passed away and um, his father and mother, I guess they ended up getting a divorce at some point, but he saw that his mother, his father was abusive toward his mother. And that's something that he was never, ever going to do. Um, He never, ever wanted his kids to see that. Um, But he also spoke about marriage in the way that it was the ultimate failure for him to get a divorce. So. No matter what happened, for the most part, he wanted to stay married. And his first wife... Um, um, I forget her Cherie. name. Yeah, Cherie. Um, he felt like that was the ultimate failure. So once he got with Jada, he kind of made a vow to himself in a way that he was um, going to make sure that they stayed together no matter what. But I am... Um, in the school of thought of like I'm not going to be with you if I'm unhappy I don't give a fuck if I don't give a fuck what's going on like I know that my happiness is most important in that situation if I'm unhappy or I feel abused or it's a toxic situation I'm not going to be with you I'm not going to stay married for the sake of you know or just fearing the failure of getting a divorce like you have to do what's best for you like my um, my father was in a very toxic marriage for a number of years and he said he stayed for the kids and it's like so you don't want to get a divorce but it's toxic like what you guys are living in and living through and that's, that's something I'm not willing to do and um, not to speak about
1: any other relationships that I've been close to but I've seen what staying with someone because you said you would um and not because they're good for you or because the relationship is equitable I've seen what that can do to a person's spirit I am not willing to participate in any of the sort so um as we're talking about Will and Jada's relationship and we have to talk about equity right like As I explained the first half of their relationship, Jada was trying to be everything that Will wanted and needed from a wife. And she felt like she was failing. The kids felt like they were failing. Will felt like he was failing. And they went through a moment where she wasn't willing to pretend anymore and neither were the kids. Mm -hmm. And Will had to change the way that he... um, saw them in the way that he planned on loving them and i feel like that's the real conversation that they um had on the father's day um show yeah. and that's why that was really good it was actually very good because you can see how the ideas that they had about each other before they got married and had children had to change because will expected because his first marriage failed that this would be perfection That he was going to be in his kids' lives. And he was going to have a wife that was willing to reach the level of perfection he wanted. And whatever. And that wasn't what happened. They tried. But that's not what happened. So I feel like that's why I feel like they had to do this. um, The Red Table Talk after August Alcina outed Jada in their relationship. Because there's an idea there's this look of perfection and the more and more that um the deeper we get into understanding who jada is the deeper we get into understanding who will smith is we're starting to see that all of that like you said i want that will and that J- that jada and i will love their love looks like everybody else's their love looks like your parents' love when you can't understand why they're still together because they've hurt each other so much. It's the same thing, and I guess the question is just goes deeper into relationships. Are you willing to let a person love to let a person hurt you and still love them afterward?
0: Let a person hurt you, yeah I don't know. <laughs>
1: And I'm not I'm not saying that the pain has to be intentional because there's a difference between intentional disrespect and just being wrong, right? Like, there are people who are actually trying to hurt you when they do stuff. And then there are people who are not thinking about you at all and being selfish and doing things that will make them feel good and not even thinking about whether it'll hurt you or not. Mm. So
0: I don't <laughs> the jury is still out on that for me because um and I think I can be a bit like over accommodating sometimes, but I'm always thinking about the other person. For the most part, I won't say always, but I'm almost always thinking about the other person and how I or how my actions may affect them you know so I just can't imagine being married to someone and even you know or being tempted by um, something that I don't know being tempted by another man or whatever at that moment where I'm about to cross that line like my husband's face would flash (laughs) you know what I'm saying and I feel like that's why I haven't done a lot of stuff in my life because I think about the consequences first like, I've never really just let go and just did whatever I wanted. But, and
1: I know this is, once again, this is going to be a reach, but I kind of feel like most people live within their desires and they don't really have um, like a compass that says, oh, that's wrong. Like, I feel like I feel very strongly about doing that, but that would hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to. I don't think a lot of people have that. I think most people are like, well, um, I'm about to fucking do it and we go to, and we're going to see like. And every time I talk, every time I have conversations with people who make decisions like that, that's kind of their thought process It's just like, well, we're just going to see if the consequence actually comes like they're they're willing to risk having to pay for that shit later. And I think that is a real...
0: um, Asking for forgiveness instead of permission. Right.
1: I'd rather ask my girl to forgive me for fucking Shelly instead of just not fucking Shelly. Because what if I never get that opportunity again?
0: You can fuck Shelly, but then you may also lose your girlfriend. But
1: I could also not. And I'm willing to risk it.
0: (laughs) Okay.
1: I'm willing, I'm willing to step out on a limb and say that my girl is gonna forgive me.
0: But why, I think I get stuck there, because it's like, okay, she may forgive you, but that shit's gonna hurt her a lot, and why would you want to do that? But she'll get over it. Okay, no. Shelly's
1: vagina. Now that's still in question.
0: If I don't fuck it,
1: it'll never get fucked. (laughs) What? <laughs> like,
0: you make me want to stay single forever i'm sorry i know i know i make like this i be like why even do it like
1: and that's 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 the conversation that i'm ha- I, I keep having with you because i'm like i remember we were talking and i was like y'all doing a lot to be with these niggas like y'all y'all are doing a lot and experiencing a lot and going through a lot to be with a man like what are you getting Now, I know there are people who are in equitable relationships and they are happy. Um, Their husband is everything they ever dreamed. But that's like three of y'all. The rest of y'all going through the tortures of the damned just to have somebody to hold your back at night. I can't do it.
0: It's really scary to think, like, to invest all this time into another person having children with them trying to build a life combining finances and all this stuff you know and it just I just don't feel like I've really met a lot of people that value relationships the way that I do that value communication the way that I do I do appreciate the way that Will and Jada communicate with one another and how they Um, can be transparent about the way that they feel. I feel like it's almost, they're able to be objective with Mm -hmm. each other about certain things and not letting the emotions take over.
1: Um, I also think they discuss things long after the emotions have kind of like fallen out of that shit. Yeah, like I don't think they come to the table with anything fresh.
0: Oh no. But I mean, a lot of people don't address, they don't address things anymore like after the emotions kind of wind down I feel like a lot of people you know they something happens the emotions run high and then there's no in-depth discussion about um how you felt in the moment I think it takes a certain level of trust you have in the other person and a certain amount of vulnerability on your part and fear plays a large part in that too because it's like well, girl I
1: let's talk about vulnerability for a minute let's just get deep yeah. up in it.
0: it vulnerability is so important especially if you plan to um, be in a relationship with someone and you're trying to build trust you cannot trust someone fully if you're unwilling to be vulnerable with them like I can't stress that enough and it's really hard um dating now like I mean because we are both 30 we are both single Um very single <laughs> and and I, kind of
1: loving it but anyway
0: I'm not really um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really I've had um my fair share of like disappointments and I always felt like um I'd meet a guy and we'd like hit it off and things would be going well and then at some point I just kind of don't know what's happening or something happens to where, like, I find out he has, he's had a girlfriend the whole time. He is trying to get back with his ex. He is told a grandiose lie about something like, oh, mm. by the way, I have kids or some shit like that. <laughs> Girl. And it's like, and it's like, I just, I've had my fair share of that and I'm kind of over that. Like, I want to, um, have a long lasting relationship. I do desire, um, marriage with or without kids. Um, but I feel like it's so hard to get to that because everyone is so afraid to be hurt and they're not afraid. They're, um, they're afraid to be vulnerable and it makes it so hard for you to truly get to know someone and connect with them. If everyone is afraid to be vulnerable, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I feel like I'm very vocal about how I feel and I miss you. I want to see you, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm, I'm that kind of girl. But if I don't feel like there's any reciprocation, that's when I kind of like, my fear starts to kick into gear where I'm like, maybe I shouldn't tell you exactly how I feel. And it just seems like a game of chicken. And it's like... (laughs)
1: And what we were watching, uh, I made Chinese watch uh, Brene Brown.
0: Oh, I love her.
1: Um, just, you know, because. <laughs> so um, Brene Brown is a sociologist who does um, studies on vulnerability and, um, and specifically vulnerability in relationships geared towards, um, like helping companies create better cultures so that people actually want to come to work and feel included in all of those things. And while she was doing that research, she kind of, they kind of like stumbled upon the fact that vulnerability is at the heart of most relationships working, right? Um, and if people were really honest and transparent about the things that they felt, And then the way that they interpreted things and the fears that they have, if they were honest about those things, then communication would be much easier. But the real barrier in communication is that people are are lacking vulnerability and trying not to share with you exactly the things that are troubling them. So you have to do all this fucking decoding to figure out what they're actually talking about or the thing that's actually driving their responses. Um, And as a very transparent and vulnerable person, um, that shit is frustrating. Because when you're being honest in a conversation, when you are doing your due diligence to communicate effectively and the other person is being aloof, um, arrogant, obnoxious, it is very hard. And I think for most people in relationships, you want the cute, cuddly shit. Mm -hmm. You don't want the sitting down and having a conversation about how your insecurity about having rolls on your back is really stopping us from getting to the pool. You know what I'm saying? And I love the pool. I got rolls on my back too, girl. We just got to sit down and talk about it. Mm -hmm. That is a very loose um, example relationships get deep right some people have anxiety about anxiety and feelings about being abandoned and that's why they act like they don't care (laughs) and that's why they don't act like they care that you're around or every time that you don't talk to them for three days they're like oh so it's over hi you could have said that (laughs) (laughs) but being vulnerable about that and being honest about that with your partner not with just any fucking body but your partner is a way to let them know hey like this is how you have to communicate with me this is how you make me feel loved and if everybody was honest about wanting to be loved and 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 how they should be loved relationships would be easier but that takes vulnerability
0: I feel like the way that I view, um, or the way that vulnerability works for me is that I don't have a problem, a problem being vulnerable, but it's almost like, I'll tell you how I feel, but I need to know that you're going to catch me. So you remember that game that they used to make us play? The trust falls. Yeah. Where -hmm. someone's standing behind you and you just have to fall backwards and trust that they're going to catch you, right? That's kind of how my vulnerability works. Like, I don't want to bear all and I don't want to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets and traumas and triggers and all that stuff. If you're not going to catch me, if I don't, if I feel like it's going to fall on deaf ears, that you're not going to care, then it's, you know, but it's like true vulnerability shouldn't care about that, right? Because if I'm going into the situation fearing that you are not going to um, be there or support me in that vulnerability, then I won't be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's like a vicious cycle type of thing.
1: So um, discussing vulnerability and relationships and all of that, Like I said, I'm extremely transparent and (laughs) because I date men, that, (laughs) yuck, (laughs) just yuck in general, that has been (laughs) um, kind of like the bane of all of my relationships, right? In the beginning, they like that I'm vocal and I tell them how I feel about them and how I feel about the relationship and what I'm ready for. But when we actually get into the relationship shit and I'm experienced expecting equity and love and for them to know what I like because I learned what they like when we start talking about that shit baby the walls come up I feel like I'm sitting outside of um, a fortress there's a moat there's alligators and this nigga has definitely sent the Doberman pinchers out to come and fuck you up just because you asked hey um how's your relationship with your mom <laughs> So, I'm transparent about all the issues that I have with my parents and their relationship, and my siblings, and all of that, and how I feel about myself. Because I've done the work to get to a place where I'm okay being vulnerable, even if I'm not caught. Like if I tell you my if I tell you my stuff because we're in relationship, and then you you fumble, that's okay. Because I didn't need you to catch me. I, I I got this. But, like I said, I date men. Not the most emotionally equipped group of people. Just not. After years of being told they can't cry and emotions are for the weak. And being called sissies and bullshit because they had had emotions I can understand why as a group they don't know how to deal with them
0: but it's just so weird to me like how you can operate in this world and you feel emotions right like it's not like because you are a man you just don't feel anything it's almost like You feel the emotions, but you are ignoring them. Like, you are being active and ignoring them. And then when you are asked to address them or express them, it's like pulling teeth. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not all men. And this is not... I don't bash men. I love... I love men. I do sometimes. But... I just, it's very hard to be in a relationship with men when they are unwilling to be vulnerable or they're not vocal about what's working, what's not working in the relationship, what they thought they wanted, but they don't really want anymore. I feel like I'm always in a situation where I have to kind of pick up on hints. And even if I do ask directly, I get an indirect answer. So... It's just kind of hard. it's hard to be in relationship with men. I love y'all though, but
1: y'all cute or whatever, but uh, <laughs> you know, get it together. It's, it's it's whack. It's really whack.
0: I also don't like the narrative that um, you know, growing up you just hear like how unstable and difficult women are and the crazy thing about it is like all the women in my life, you know, not to say that all of the, all of them are perfect, you know, but I feel like my relationships with them are pretty harmonious. Like, I kind of know where I stand. I kind of know, you know, what they need, what, how to communicate with who. I feel like I can navigate those relationships easier, and I've never met an unstable creature.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
0: Like. (laughs) I I
1: think we have to have a discussion about what makes a woman unstable. And it's submitting to a man that doesn't love her. Agreeing to follow a man who does not love you and does not care about you. That will make you unstable. That will make you insecure. Because you're never sure where the fuck y'all are going.
0: But the way that they... I mean, the way that unstable... Like, the connotation of unstable in that phrase is almost like there's something wrong with you. Right. Not like like for a woman to be insecure there's a reason for that it's not like she's genetically predisposed to be insecure
1: right but it's it's the weaponizing of your emotions right because you feel anything and i as a man don't or i i hide what i feel until i get in my secure relationships with my other friends it's easier to call you unstable than to accept that I had a real fucking problem with mm. dealing with my own shit.
0: Accept responsibility for the fact that you are not meeting the expectations for the relationship that you um, lied, you broke the trust whatever the fuck it is that has your girlfriend insecure doesn't want to trust you whatever the hell is going on like acknowledge what has happened. Acknowledge where the breakdown in communication came. Acknowledge where that breach of trust came from. Because it's so. What did Dave Chappelle say? Um, it's dismissive to call someone crazy. Mm-hmm. It's dismissive to to call
1: all women unstable creatures, as if we don't have emotions and and a reason for feeling them. And there, there was. <laughs> sorry let's just a quick history lesson. Psychologists early on decided that hysteria was a, a disease or a, a mental, um, mental illness that only women could have. And the symptoms of it were being loud, being unhappy, um, laughing loudly, screaming. So basically, Any outward show of emotion that was not controlled or understood by a husband could have a woman locked up in an insane asylum for the rest of her life. So the next time you call a woman crazy, watch that shit, nigga. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, on the Will and Jada thing, they have their marriage... I'm not totally sure that it's working. I also have no dog in that fight. So, all I can do is send a prayer up for them that Will and Jada both get what they need. Um, and, and leave it at that because at the end of the day, they still wipe their asses with $100 bills and I'm still living on the same budget I was in college. So,
0: can we talk about, um, Kim and Kanye first. Oh God,
1: please, please no. It's fine, let's go.
0: So in the car today, um, <sighs> spaceship came on by Kanye West from his college dropout um, album, which is m- my favorite album by him. Um, but there's been such a sharp contrast, um, mm. you know, between who he was or who we thought he was, anyway. Um, when he first, you know, came out and before, you know, before he became famous and who he's become now, um, I, maybe it's a variation of that same person, but I said, um, I said the worst thing that could have happened to Kanye West was his mother passing away and him becoming famous because I feel like he, um, just completely... Um, came undone when she died and then being famous just because he already was very confident slash arrogant and now he has um affirmations of that um and jamila said
1: the worst thing that actually happened to him was not marrying alexis (laughs) and marrying kim kardashian now, I know that some people feel very strongly about Kim Kardashian, and I'm just going to say this right now. Girl, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how you feel about that girl. <laughs> like, she Kanye is, West.
0: Like, feel strongly about that. There
1: are like, some people who would defend her and d- defend her like that's their mama, like they would lose teeth. Over her. And I don't get it. Um, there's not a celebrity on, on God's green earth that I'm willing to argue you down about. There's just not. But Kim Kardashian, we still I'm still trying to figure out why she's famous. But anyway, Mary The only
0: thing I can think of is the sex tape I don't and the even, reality TV show. I don't that.
1: even want I That poor child. What a terrible way to come about some notoriety. Mm -hmm. But...
0: I'm just trying to understand why the Norwoods are not just as famous and popular. Because they black. It's that simple.
1: (laughs) End of story. Stamp. Send send it to the presses. (laughs) The the story's done. Because they're black.
0: I mean, I feel like Ray J was the star of that whole sex tape anyway, but... I've never seen
1: (laughs) it. Um, (laughs) I I saw clips. Girl... But anyway, but I honestly feel like the worst thing that happened to Kanye West was not having a group of people around him and a and a wife or a significant other who could say or who knew him before he was famous and could say you're not being yourself right now. Except What's wrong for
0: his mother. I feel like Donda was probably the only person that was able to reel him in if he said some bullshit. You know, I'm pretty sure he got on the mic and said some bullshit. And Donda called him like.
1: Boy, what the fuck you just say?
0: Yeah. But once she passed away, I felt like he just started doing and saying whatever he wanted with no one to check him.
1: And we really have to discuss mental illness for what it actually is. It is not something you can just wrap your fingers around and cling to when you're having an off day. It is a very real thing that makes your brain act and your just makes you act erratically and react very strongly to things that would not affect a well-managed mental um, mental stance. Let's just call it that. Kanye West is is very clearly suffering with narcissistic personality personality disorder.
0: He also spoke about being bipolar on medication. Most so. people who have
1: narcissistic personality disorder are misdiagnosed with bipolar or borderline before they actually figure out what it is. Because both of those, all three of those personality disorders have erratic and unequal reactions to being um to i don't even know how to describe it but with with a narcissistic person if you tell them that their idea about themselves is wrong their reaction will be violent Mm,
0: like that um that sway in the morning interview
1: (laughs) yeah exactly but just
0: like it's like we talking about clothes nigga why are
1: you (laughs) you're doing a lot yeah and just the reaction that kanye has had to anyone telling him that his, his ideas are bad to anyone telling him that hey maybe that's not your lane to anyone even his friends telling him you're getting out of line the reaction is unequal to the offense
0: and I feel like at a certain point they just stopped telling him What who they was
1: thought Rhymefest Who yeah. was it who was just like Nigga good <laughs> Um, that's fine I'll remove your mom's name even though um She was important to me too But since it's that deep You can have that shit mm-hmm. And we'll just run the organization Like we plan to And you can kick rocks You can go to Wyoming or whatever the fuck Cabin in the woods ass place you live in And you can have it, nigga. I
0: thought he lived in Calabasas.
1: Kim Kardashian lives in Calabasas. Kanye West bought property in Wyoming. and That's where he took everybody to make them whack-ass albums they made. With the exception of Tiana Taylor. Because that shit still slaps. But she never intended for her shit to be eight songs long. But we're not going to go there. That's another conversation. But I honestly feel like every time y'all put a mic to kanye's lips and to the camera in front of that nigga that y'all are really just encouraging mental illness i don't see why we keep doing it and i also don't see why we keep getting shocked that this nigga says unfounded unfactual shit i
0: don't know i mean maybe it's the people that um grew up loving kanye and you know his style and you know, what he talked about in his music and everything is just like, you just don't want to believe that he's that far gone and detached from reality. You know, it's just every time it's just like, wow, I just, I for some reason, I thought you were going to get on this mic and make sense. Like, I thought you were.
1: I think everybody just has to accept that they've been in a bad relationship with Kanye since, what, 2010? Yeah. Y'all been in an abusive relationship with that nigga for a long time now.
0: It's like, if he just stop beating my ass, we can... Yeah. (laughs) If he just
1: stop offending and saying shit that's fucked up, if he could just stop doing that, we could support him. I can't do it. I was done with Slavery Was A Choice. That's That's where I took off my Kanye is the best hat sat that shit down on the seat i was sitting in and walked and kicked my yeezys off and walked the fuck out the building no so every time he has said anything after that like when he showed up with the make america great again hat on and y'all was shocked i felt like that was right on par with the story i felt like as a writer that was the natural progression of shit He said that Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves. She just sent them to work for other white white people. Right? Is that what he said?
0: Something like that.
1: (laughs) I felt like that was just chapter five.
0: I don't know why I'm still hopeful, though. (laughs) It has to make sense. He's just going to flip, right? Like, the reason why he was sitting and having brunch with Donald Trump was because he has a plan. You know what I'm saying? Like motherfuckers really don't want him to like have fallen that far from grace and from we what we thought he was going to be but and I, I
1: think that's the real problem he was always this person he just didn't have the means to be uh. this person <laughs> i on, like i honestly think that i honestly think that if Kanye West would have gotten famous and College Dropout wasn't just like a Michael Jordan Space Jam reach. Because think about it, that entire album, he was talking about how he he was never really gonna get there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're listening to Kanye who was starting to doubt himself. On college dropout, mm-hmm. then late registration. You're listening to Kanye, who's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a motherfucking genius." Listen to the progression of those albums. Mm-hmm. It's just the narcissism growing, and getting fuel. I know, girl. I know it's hard. Know. It's hard. It's hard to find out that your boyfriend not hitting you because he love you.
0: <laughs> I don't know Cause like And I don't know if Arrogance becomes confident. I mean um Confidence becomes arrogance Once you have the means I don't know if it's that But I just felt like There was more humility And there was more conversation In his music about real shit That's happening um, I don't feel like he talked about himself but it wasn't in the way that he talks about himself now like he is he is a genius and he can do no wrong and um, you can compare me to Walt Disney and you know just all this extra ass it sounds like mania <laughs> it definitely is like you know what I'm saying that's what it sounds like when he speaks now and when he first came out I just didn't get that vibe. Like, he might have been overly confident. Or, um, you know, maybe he just had so much faith in himself that he refused to fail.
1: What was the line he had about him and Dame Dash? Huh? It was, like, something about him being an asshole. Just like Dame Dash. I can't remember the song. Mm.
0: I can't remember either.
1: But anyway, I feel he's been saying that he was cocky. He's been saying that he was an asshole for a really long time. And it's like nobody was listening to that part.
0: I mean, I was, but I didn't. You just didn't
1: think it was going to show up like this.
0: Nah, because I mean, you can be confident and you can believe that you're that nigga and you're the best at what you do without, without it being this, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Without it being what it is right now. And yeah, I'm trying to think of um who else, like another example of someone that is kind of like cocky and like, borderline, like, arrogant in their music, but they still, they mind their business and they make their music, and you know, I can't think of a person right now, but I mean, everybody don't have to be humble, like, nah, but I just don't like the the road that, like, I feel like it's just a car ride, and it's just like, I don't like where we going, Kanye, like, <laughs> Like, I, you've been going the wrong way for a long-ass time now.
1: And I, I don't know. I feel like Kanye West is and will always be a distraction. The music was good once upon a time. That has not been the case for several years. And the gimmicks are insurmountable. It's just, it's a shit show. So every time somebody turns their phone to me and Kanye West is looking me dead in my eyes about to say some dumb shit, I just say keep it, girl. I don't, I don't really need to know what he said because I know it was stupid.
0: I think I'll always still have that little ounce of hope,
1: Mm-mm,
0: girl. That one day, <laughs> he will either. Be a better person or just shut the fuck up? And I remember when,
1: what was the album, the gospel album that he put out?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, I, honestly, I haven't even listened to that. I haven't yet. either.
1: Um, I haven't either. But I remember when that came out and everybody was like, see, he coming back. And I was like, I don't know if that's what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know if that if that means he's going to make it back to us. (laughs) I kind of think that means he's he's going further in the wrong direction. And this has nothing to do with God or Jesus, because I love them both. But um, Christianity has been weaponized several times to get people to fall in line with a lot of things. And the way that that entire movement was structured, that's what it looked like. Cause I didn't see a Bible nowhere and people had to pay for croutons and nasty salad. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't see the meals that the people had to pay for before they actually went into the concert Mm -hmm. girl, baby. Wow. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Kanye will never be canceled to me. I just, I just have no, he has a lot of opinions that I don't agree with. He has a lot of feelings that I think are unfounded, but that's I think, also his I business. you just
0: need to get the fuck away from the Kardashians because he got on Twitter a couple hours ago Bruh. and was just going on a rant talking about Kim tried to have him locked up with some doctor get out was about him and all this stuff it's like what is going on in that house with all them blocks and um, girl <laughs> and white and beige paint
1: yeah but yeah um i i feel i feel something for kim kardashian i feel like as a wife, that is probably very hard to watch your husband fall into um, just mental disarray. I'm pretty sure she's doing she everything. I don't That's know awesome. if it's <laughs> <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I think it's I think it's just hard as a wife to watch your husband, the father of your children, fall into what I can only describe as just mental chaos. And I feel like she's probably doing everything with the tools that she has to take care of him. And I really, I really hope the best for her because that has to be hard. I also don't care about her. I, I want to make that clear. Please do not. Please do not tell me and nothing about really how, like Kim how Kim Kardashian is the best thing since sliced bread, girl. Because I, I won't argue you down. You just won't be my friend anymore. Like, we will lose friendship.
0: Yeah. Why?
1: We will lose friendship. I'm tired of it, and that's that's another conversation because we were about to talk about Megan Thee Stallion and whatever transpired between her and Tori Lanes and her friend and um, that SUV, wherever they were. I don't even know the details. I, don't I just either. keep hearing random facts about the night, and it sounds like. I know I've used this word a lot today, but a shit show. It sounded like a dumpster fire of events <laughs> that led to Megan Thee Stallion being shot in the foot and her friend having to spread her ass cheeks in the middle of the street okay, to I the police. I didn't
0: that. What?
1: Her friend had on, like, a bathing suit bottom, and the police were, like, asking them to get out of the car. And she got out of the car and backed up like they said, and they told her to lay down on the ground. And they told her to open her legs but she had on a bikini bottom. Mm-hmm. So when she opened her legs like she was basically spread eagle in the street with the bikini bottom on. Yeah, there was there are a lot of details what? about <laughs> you, have, you have to watch the video that they have of them actually being like told to step out of the car by the police because whoever heard the gunshots called the police. Um... I don't know what the details about that night were. I'm not even going to speculate because a lot of y'all have been writing fan fiction about what happened in the car. And y'all really don't know what the fuck y'all talking about. And that shit is dangerous. So it's been speculated that Tory Lanez was the person with the gun. What I want to talk about is how y'all reacted to hearing that a black woman got shot.
0: I will never forgive y'all. I will never
1: forgive y'all for the way y'all acted about Megan Thee Stallion getting shot in her foot. I will never forgive y'all.
0: They, I kept seeing like memes from like Harlem Nights and shit, and it's like this is not, this is not funny, guys. Like, I saw one tweet where it said, um, "Tory Lanez probably saw her penis and started shooting."
1: which i uh, is just that is just multifaceted just wrong in so many ways because that's transphobia that's
0: that's a part of why um that's a part of why i've been so like insecure about my height growing up because it's always been associated with um masculinity, masculinity yes um i see tweets all the time where um or, like, memes where there'll be a picture of a girl and a guy and she is significantly taller than him, bigger than him. And then the caption says something like, um, a lot of different things that indicate that she's carrying the relationship or something.
1: She's wearing the pants in the relationship. She's the
0: actual man. Right. And it's it's so offensive. It's not right. It's, like, black women... (laughs) like, we have to, I don't know, it's just, it's just, it's so much, like you said, it's so multifaceted, there's so many things that are, um, nuances that are, I don't know, that are there, and it's just, it's offensive to me, like, because I feel like I can relate to Megan Thee Stallion in different ways, you know, she's tall, she's black, she's, you know, going to school, she rap, she, you know, and there was just no one coming to her defense trying to find out why the fuck, how the fuck she got shot. And and is it because she got shot in her foot? It wasn't like she got shot in the chest because if she really got shot in the chest or shot in the head or something like that, oh, prayers up for Megan and, Sally. Right. Like,
1: and I Right. And I think that speaks a lot to the culture that we live in, that, um, and I know, like, I've always commended black people for being able to turn our misfortune into comedy, to turn our misfortune into laughs. Like, I've always appreciated that about our community, but this did not feel like that. This felt like y'all saw a woman who loved herself, who wasn't ashamed of herself, who who was actually braggadocious about everything that she was and is and can accomplish. And then y'all saw her get hurt and it like validated your feelings. I
0: couldn't wait.
1: Couldn't wait to to tear her the fuck apart or make fun of her. And that was that was wild to me. And I also have I think it has a lot to do with the fact that she has never tried to look or be like anything you would have wanted and that she's actually told you in her music that um the pussy is the last thing you're gonna get close to with your whack ass (laughs) so (laughs) i i honestly feel like all of the resentment from megan the stallion telling y'all that y'all ain't shit and that y'all couldn't breathe on her pussy
0: Mm-hmm. It was like serves so you right, bitch. It's just
1: like, yeah, bitch. Since you didn't want to give me no ass, that's why you got shot. Like that's literally the energy <laughs> that y'all ascend, y'all descended upon Black Twitter with. So, I really hope that Megan The Stallion um, recovers. She seems like she's doing fine. I don't know her personally, so I wouldn't know. But I haven't heard anything. About how she's doing or what's happening, um, but I hope she's okay. And Tory Lanez, I really hope y'all figure that out because if the story is being reported correctly, um, that's a shit show.
0: What is the story though? This... I, I mean, I keep I keep seeing like speculations on like what might have happened, but I don't know if they have an official story yet. I
1: haven't heard any I haven't heard anything concrete from either of them. I'm absolutely certain that their lawyers are involved and that is the reason why we aren't getting any details. Because both of their careers are on the line. Because that's assault with a deadly weapon. Mm-hmm. So, however, the story plays out, like who what was the old boy's name who shot himself in the locker room and ended up going to jail for shooting himself it was Plexico Jenkins mm-hmm. he shot himself and went to prison. No telling what's gonna happen when you shoot somebody else by accident so i I'd hate to see both of their careers get I was about to say entangled. <laughs>
0: and (laughs) that is that on that we just gonna have to end right there (laughs) that just came full circle
1: oh god (laughs) but yeah hope Meg's okay i hope everybody is okay and i hope that the worst version possible of the story will happen in that car i hope that's not true
0: And I hope that you guys, not, and I won't say you guys like I've never retweeted or reposted, laughed at something that I shouldn't have. But let's be more mindful about what we are reposting and liking and sending to other people and finding humor in. Because, I mean, I'm sure that Megan Thee Stallion is all right, but it's like she's a person with feelings. Even though she's a celebrity and it's, you know, she's far removed from you. And, you know, I mean, even one point I said something like, how are you so unhappy with that much money? Right. But (laughs) I mean, celebrities are people, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have to be mindful about we just have to remember that and be more responsible with what we post.
1: Especially if it feeds into transphobia or misogyny. Or any anything of the sort, because y'all was just combining all types of oppression and finding it funny, and I just could not understand that. That shit was wild. It's like the everything wrong with everything just jumped out of all of y'all. Like
0: what did what did you say you saw? Shot girl summer.
1: Shot girl summer. Like
0: that's crazy.
1: Like getting shot is serious
0: (laughs) I I honestly think it's because she was shot in the foot and it just seems oh well she 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 gonna be all right but it's like what if she may never walk again but what if she needs an amputation now or whatever it's like it's serious no matter where it is and I want to know why (laughs) and how that should happen you know like I don't care how insignificant it may seem like she got shot. She was in pain, obviously. You know what I'm saying. But if she would have got shot in the chest or in the stomach, oh man, keep Megan The Stallion in y'all prayers. And it's just like, I just, I just don't like. I will never forgive y'all. That's it. <laughs> I will never
1: forgive y'all for how y'all acted about toilet paper at the beginning of the COVID nineteen whatever. And I will never forgive y'all for the way y'all reacted to Megan The Stallion getting shot in the foot. It was a disgrace, but we gonna move on. what the fuck mm-hmm. like you said every every month or at least every every week and that has not been the thing so I'm going to try to be consistent with all of this but um, you bear with us because COVID-19 is still a very real thing and we are very much still essential workers um, and I also have a very serious surgery coming up so that might take us out too so y'all send prayers up for that <laughs> because your girl is scared. But yeah. You'll be fine. I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope I'm not on the news. But anyway. Um and y'all stay safe out there.
0: Stay safe. Peace, love, and soul. Was that the slogan from Soul Train? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well no, what he say, love, peace, and soul. There it goes. What, was that for real? Yeah, that was Doc Cornelius girl. Look at you. Okay, period. Thanks.
1: Oh, <laughs> Calling on the ancestors to end the show. Thanks.
0: <laughs> all right, bye, y'all. Bye. We know that this is one of your all time favorites.